If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. CBS Mornings on this first day of spring. I'm Gail King. I'm Tony DeCopel. And I'm Nate Burleson. He's back. We're going to start this morning, though, with the breaking news from the war in Ukraine. At least six people were killed in this Russian attack on a shopping mall in Kiev. The latest of many acts of violence, which appear to be targeting civilians. In the hard-hit city of Mariupol, hundreds of miles southeast of the capital, Russia offered to let civilians escape if Ukraine would let it take over the city. Ukraine's government said no to that. MTS Tayyip is in Liev, Ukraine, with more on that part of the story. MTS, good morning to you. Gail, good morning. Well, President Zelensky calling on Vladimir Putin for what he's calling face-to-face -face talks. But the Kremlin is saying more progress needs to be made first in this war, which is now being called a bloody stalemate. A warning, some of the images in this report are quite distressing. In the heart of Kyiv, an inferno. After Russian shelling targeted this shopping center overnight, by morning, and the devastation is near total. But it's in Mariupol where the horrific scale of Vladimir Putin's war on Ukraine is laid bare. This once thriving southern seaport, home to nearly half a million, is now a wasteland. The bitter battle for the strategically important city on the Sea of Azov was captured in all its intensity in this video from a Ukrainian military group. It appears to show them shooting directly at a Russian tank. For civilians, the violence has been catastrophic. There are now so many bodies, volunteers are left with little choice but to bury them wherever they can, including by the side of a road. But it's in Mariupol's basements where the living remain. We've been here for 11 days, she says. We have some food and some firewood, but in a week we'll have nothing. What should we do? The fall of Mariupol would be a significant victory for Vladimir Putin's war. It would allow Russian forces stationed across southern Ukraine to connect with soldiers in the east of the country. But at what cost? Artem, just two, has shrapnel wounds in his stomach. He and other wounded children from Mariupol have been taken to this hospital. The doctor here says a six-year-old boy with shrapnel in his head described without any emotion how his mother burned to death in their car after it was hit. He said to his dad, buy me a new mom. I want someone to walk me to school. At the St. George Church in the western city of Lviv, anguish at the horrors across Ukraine. Father Pavlo Drozdik is a priest here. My heart is broken. 
I cry all time because I can't understand why. What a reason! But I, <laughs> I know that I um, need to be a strong. And I need to help the people. Vladimir Putin's war is now in its fourth week. But it's the people of Ukraine who continue to show strength in their suffering as they pray for this living nightmare to end. Now, according to the UN, 10 million Ukrainians have now been displaced by the fighting. 10 million. That's nearly a quarter of the country's population, with three and a half million of them now refugees living abroad. Nate. You were right. Those images are absolutely heartbreaking. MTS Tayeb, Western Ukraine, thank you. President Biden travels to Belgium this week for a high-stakes meeting with American allies. He will also go to Poland, which has taken care of more than 2 million refugees from Ukraine. But the president has no plans to visit Ukraine itself. Ed O'Keefe has a preview of the trip. As Russia's invasion of Ukraine is in its fourth week, President Biden is set to meet with the leaders of other NATO countries in the coming days. On the agenda, possible additional sanctions against Russia, more humanitarian assistance for refugees, and military aid for NATO troops near the Ukrainian border. You've seen um, deliberate targeting of cities and towns. Uh, and civilians. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin uh, told Face the Nation Sunday the current tactics are a possible sign Russian President Vladimir Putin's military campaign is losing momentum. His campaign is stalled. He's not been able to achieve the goals as rapidly that he wants to achieve as rapidly as he wants to achieve them. And he warned against any further escalation by Russia. If a chemical or biological weapon was used, you'd see a significant reaction from not only the United States, but also the global community. On that point, there's bipartisan agreement. The use of chemical weapons is certainly something that would alter our calculation. With growing speculation about ongoing talks between Ukraine and Russia, the Ukrainian ambassador to the U.S. said she still hopes for a diplomatic solution. Negotiate does not mean to surrender. We are not ready to give up on either our uh, dreams or on the territorial sovereignty or integrity. But we are ready to negotiate even with the brutal enemy in order to stop it. Later this morning, the president will speak with the leaders of France, Germany, Italy and Great Britain uh, about their ongoing coordinated response. That trip to Poland later this week is designed to thank that country for absorbing so many Ukrainian refugees. Tony, a big week of diplomacy ahead for the president. Everybody hoping for a breakthrough in those talks. Ed, thank you very much. We have other breaking news. This one from China this morning as aviation officials confirm that a Boeing 737 passenger jet carrying 132 souls for Eastern Airlines China has gone down in a mountainous area in the south of the country. Video posted by local media claims to show flames and smoke coming from the crash site on a hillside there. Rescuers have been dispatched to the scene or on the scene, in fact. No word yet on the number of casualties or survivors. The U.S. Supreme Court says Justice Clarence Thomas is in the hospital, but should be released within the next few days. The 73-year-old justice was admitted on Friday in Washington. The court says he was experiencing flu-like symptoms. Doctors diagnosed him with an infection. A court sports spokesperson says that Thomas's condition was not COVID-related. He is expected to miss some oral arguments this week, but he'll be able to participate by listening to transcripts. And speaking of the Supreme Court, confirmation hearings begin this morning for Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson. Now, if approved, the federal judge would be the first black woman on our highest court. Leaders from both parties say they want to keep things civil, 
but some Republicans are previewing a line of attack. Nicole Killian is in the hearing room where it's all going to happen. A little Hamilton reference there, Nicole. But it is a room where it's going to happen. Nicole, good morning to you. Absolutely, Gail. Good morning to you. These hearings will last for four days, but today is really all about introductions. Judge Jackson will be seated just behind me where she'll deliver an opening statement. Then she'll be questioned by senators starting tomorrow. And a White House official confirms to CBS News that President Biden and Vice President Harris are expected to watch some of the proceedings. I'm pleased to nominate Judge Jackson. Less than a month after President Biden nominated the first black woman to the Supreme Court, Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson will make one of the most important cases of her career to the Senate Judiciary Committee. And if I'm fortunate enough to be confirmed as the next Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, I can only hope that my life and career will inspire future generations of Americans. The Harvard Law graduate and mother of two currently sits on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. She has also been a district judge, public defender, and served on the U.S. Sentencing Commission. This the last one this week, Judge? For weeks, Judge Jackson has made the rounds on Capitol Hill, meeting with 44 senators from both parties. She's also been participating in moot court sessions with White House staff. She's gone back through her college career, her law school career. She has done all the due diligence on herself that these senators should be doing. How is this one different? Oh, it is different. Illinois Senator Dick Durbin chairs the Judiciary Committee. How much pressure do you feel to get this right? I feel some. I'll be very honest with you. I want to do this in the right way. I also think the committee's not on trial, but the committee's being watched closely. Republican Josh Hawley has signaled he wants to use the hearings to go after Jackson's sentencing record. This is someone who has consistently let sex predators, child sex predators, off the hook. This attack that we've seen over the last couple of days relies on factual inaccuracies and taking Judge Jackson's record widely out of context. In an exclusive interview on Face the Nation, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said he hasn't made up his mind. The com committee will ask her all the tough questions. I haven't made a final decision as to how I'm going to vote. Judge Jackson was confirmed for previous judicial appointments three times by the Senate on a bipartisan basis. Chairman Durbin tells me he hopes that this time is no different and expects a confirmation vote by Easter. Tony. All right, Nicole, thank you very much. To weather now, big wind gusts keep fueling Texas wildfires. The Eastland Complex fire, about 150 miles west of Dallas, has now burned more than 55,000 acres and nearly destroyed the small town of Carbon. For more on the conditions, let's go now to meteorologist Jim Cantore from the Weather Channel's global headquarters in Atlanta. Jim, good morning. Fire conditions seem extra bad this year. How come? Yeah, it's been a dry winter, and now we've just gone right into spring with that dryness continuing. Plus, we've got wind. Wind is helping to drive a lot of these fires. So let's get into this and talk about today, because it is already windy right out of the gate this morning. We shift our focus to critical fire weather uh, west of I-35, down through the hill country, down into the Trans-Pecos. Winds will be shifting today, too. They will be southeast first and then slam out of the southwest and gusting 20 to 40 miles per hour. There will be some relief over the next several days with rainfall and, unfortunately, 
extremely severe thunderstorms. Um, but you can see all these fires that we have that are over 100 acres, which is where we show the fire icon, uh, will get some relief, especially in the state of Oklahoma. Tony, back to you. A little, little, little bit of rain, but not exactly where we need it, Jim. And we also hear that 20 million people in the state of Texas, some parts of it anyway, are under a threat of severe weather. What do they need to look out for? Yeah, we got a busy three days coming up, uh, probably a three-day severe weather outbreak with all hazards possible here. We're talking about hail. We're talking about tornadoes. We are talking about damaging winds. You can see those three days behind me here lined up, and you can kind of pick out where each day is. Tomorrow, we maximize that threat. And, Tony, it's not only during the day, all right? It is during the overnight hours, especially tonight and tomorrow night as well. So let's get into this and talk about some specifics. Our Torcon uh, sitting at five right now, and this is essentially uh, where we have a pretty good chance that we think we're going to see tornadoes later on this afternoon. Probably initiation of these thunderstorms, in other words, when they're going to start, around 5 o'clock this afternoon. This is the warm, moist air coming back. That's what it looks like on the model. Maybe some hailstorms up into Oklahoma and North Texas. But here comes that line. That's the initiation of the line right there. Coming through Austin, San Antonio. Big hail, tornado threat, damaging wind. And here we are at midnight. And these are still going on and pushing off to the east. So plenty of active weather, even some storms in Houston. Tomorrow, that threat for tornadoes actually is ramped up. Baton Rouge, Jackson, be on the lookout and through here. Those storms threaten the Florida Panhandle, South Georgia, Southern Alabama as we get into Wednesday morning. Whew, busy few days coming up. But keep, us with, keep it with us. We'll have all that coverage for you on the Weather Channel all day long. All hazards possible, including in the overnight hours, Jim. Man. Got it. Doesn't sound good. Thank you very much. You got it, brother. Now to a different type of weather, whether some basketball teams will be headed home or not. There were some wild games from the first weekend of March Madness. Top seed Arizona nearly got an early ticket home before beating Texas Christian. Other teams were not so lucky. CBS Saturday Morning co-host Dana Jacobson spent the weekend reporting from courtside. A potential upset avoided for the South's top seed, Arizona, eking into the Sweet 16 in overtime. to San Antonio, the number one seed. The Wildcats outlasting ninth-ranked TCU in a tense matchup late last night. He's going to launch it. Earlier, the West two-seed Duke survived a relentless Michigan State squad, ensuring retiring head coach Mike Krzyzewski's last ride continues for at least one more game. It wasn't any coaching. They, they had guts. Cal Short changed his mind. This is Coots. Splash! The Midwest three-seed Wisconsin no longer dancing, upset by 11-seed Iowa State who continued a remarkable resurgence from a dismal 2-22 season just last year. Sunday's action followed an intense batch of Saturday games. The Baylor Bears are out. Defending champion Baylor Bears became the first top-ranked team to get knocked out of the tournament, losing a chaotic overtime matchup to the eighth seed in the East, North Carolina. The story of the tournament so far has been a tiny New Jersey Jesuit school that continues to beat the odds. The St. Peter's Peacocks shocked seven-seed Murray State to become just the third 15-seed to reach the regional semifinals of the big dance. NCAA tournament is every kid's dream, right? 
Yes, it is. If they like basketball, that was Peacock's uh, head coach, Shaheen Holloway. Get this, former player who once beat out Kobe Bryant at the McDonald's All-American game to win MVP back wow. in 1996. And the next stop for his Peacock's Philadelphia, where they play third-seeded Purdue in the Sweet 16. So here's the thing. Mm -hmm. 15 seed has never advanced to the Elite Eight. Uh -oh. That would be the Peacocks. But okay. I'm going to give you reason to root for Purdue. We always talk about fathers passing on basketball to their sons. Purdue's star player, Jaden Ivey, his mother, is the head coach of the Notre Dame women's team. They are in the tournament. They are winning right now. We featured them in a piece on Saturday morning. You cannot yes. not love that. I saw that yeah. piece. Yeah. <laughs> so but you got to root for Duke because of Coach K. My favorite son, Will, went there, so that's what. <laughs> yeah. I but think for Coach K would be nice, but if it's not Duke, then I'm going with those peacocks. Well, and Gonzaga actually is in that Duke region, yeah. and it would be interesting. Mark Few has never won a title if his Gonzaga Bulldogs could knock off Duke. Sorry, Coach K. Yeah. But maybe it's like a passing of a torch in some way. I love all the backstories. <laughs> I like the underdogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Me too. Dana, thanks a lot. Sure. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin' Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin' Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, but after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story, and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.